Welcome to the Deep Impact Investing Podcast with Kimberly Griego-Kyle of Horizon Sustainable Financial Services. In this podcast, we discuss sustainable impact investing, creating portfolios that match your values, and a variety of other topics such as financial education, social justice, and sustainable food systems. Do you want to know if your investments seek the kind of accountability from corporations that you demand? Listen in as we explore the burning question, are you investing like you give a damn? Hello and welcome to Deep Impact Investing with Kimberly Grego Kyle from Horizon Sustainable Financial Services. This is part two of a small series that Kim is doing, and I'm going to let her tell you what it's all about. Kim, how are you? I'm good, Eric. I'm excited to continue this series. Yeah, me too. I mean, this is totally different than all your other podcasts. You've never done a series like this before, so I'm, I'm pretty excited. Yeah, I'm, I really enjoyed this, and I wish I had done 50 recordings, but then people would probably get a little bored. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that makes for but a it long was, series. <laughs> right, and it was just so much fun to dive into sometimes, you know, people's lives and mm-hmm. thoughts and, you know, what they really think about the work that we're doing. Yeah. So that was fun. And, you know, today we have two people that I interviewed and the perspectives for them are a little bit different mm-hmm. than what we talked or what I talked about with Rex. So I have um, a long timer and a, a not new, but a, a more recent person who is in this industry and, and someone I have recently known. So the long timer okay. is someone I've known for a, a, actually since I've been in this industry and then Ebony is someone I have recently met. Okay. So we're going to, yeah, we're going to start with George. And yeah, so George Gay is probably one of the first people I met when I started in this industry 23 years ago. Mm -hmm. And we're coming up on my anniversary of joining the impact, sustainable impact industry. And George has been running his company for, gosh, 30 plus years. I think he tells us that Mm. in the interview and I don't remember exactly what it was. But we talked a lot about the importance of coming together at these conferences and Mm -hmm. what that really means to all of the folks who are doing that. We talked about the industry and the changes. We talked about leadership and what that really means. And honestly, you know, George and I really do have a long history of, you know, the business together. And he's really somebody who's important to me, you know. And as a side note, Johan worked for George for 12 years, 13 years maybe. Yeah. Before Johan came and joined me at Horizons. So I would love for us to go and listen to the things that George has to say. Yeah, absolutely. So if you're joining us for the very first time, this is the first time you're listening to this podcast. Um, Kim did these recordings at a conference in Colorado, and this is the second one, like I said. So go back and listen to the first one because she had Rex on the show. His interview was part of that first episode in this small mini-series, but it's an amazing set of interviews that she's done. She did seven altogether, so it's going to be a four-part series. And so without further ado, we're going to listen to her interview with George. This is Kimberly Griego-Kyle with a Deep Impact Investing podcast recording at the ESG for Impact Conference in Colorado Springs at the Broadmoor 
And I am sitting here with someone I have known for 23 years <laughs> since I started in this industry. And he's known by everyone. It's the infamous George Gay. Welcome, George. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah. yeah that's 23 years uh, since you joined Richard, eh? Yes, yes. Incredible. Yeah, I know. I can't believe it. And I'm not sure how long you have been in this industry. So how long? Well, I started at First Affirmative on November 1st, 1986. I had gotten my CFP before I, I, I started, but I wasn't in the industry. So November 1st, 1986. So. Wow. Okay. I'm not sure if I should say this, but that was my senior year of high school. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, I can't tell you how many of my employees are young enough to be my children and now increasingly my grandchildren. Oh, yeah. yeah. So. <laughs> That's true. I have an employee that who's, who I could be their mother. So, yeah, I, I understand how that feels now. Um, <laughs> but George is also the producer of this conference and has produced many, many, many conferences that I have attended over the years. So thank you for doing that because you're bringing together this really diverse group of people and allowing us to hear the things we need to hear, talk to the people we need to talk to, and I appreciate that. Well, thank you very much. I think, you know, the last two years we've had no face-to-face -face contact with hardly anyone. Zoom has its value, but there's still nothing like getting together face-to-face -face and, and especially the, the informal aspect of it is, you know, you just don't hang out after a Zoom call and, and talk to people. So right. that's partly, you know, one of the reasons I decided to do it. So I've always had a question I wanted to ask you. You went to West Point. Yes. Which I appreciate you doing. Thank you very much. And how did that prepare you to be a leader in this industry? Okay. And you have a big team. So tell me how that prepared you. I think that, um, I, I mean, there's a couple of points. One is, of course, there's just people who question, how do you get from West Point into socially responsible investing yes, I, I, anyway? I, that, that makes me curious, too. But And so, you know, to start with that, it's, I mean, you go into the military with the idea of service to your country. And at least in my mind, service to my country meant making it possible for every American to do what they wanted to do. And so the idea of respecting other people's values and being willing to say, you know, these are your values that we want to work with and my values about this subject are, are not part of the equation. That always worked for me. In terms of leadership, one of the things I read some number of years after I graduated was that the job of the Reserve Officers Training Corps was to train lieutenants, that the job of West Point was to train generals, and that you didn't know that until later in your career, you started to say, how is it that other people don't know these things that I was taught in college? 
And it's very much the idea of leadership. And frankly, we had at least, we had two years of classes in leadership. And you just didn't know that that's what they were doing. But like I said, you, you learned all of our instructors were army officers. And just the whole tradition of the idea of West Point is leadership related. So it's, you know... Douglas MacArthur said, you know, I need a, I need an officer for a, a dangerous mission. I want a West Point football player. And, um, but the motto of, of West Point is duty, honor, country. And the, I always refer to the cadet prayer, which says, help me to choose the harder right rather than the easier wrong. And so just a lot of just basic premises of what's the right way to behave and the wrong way to behave and you know my experience is is if you set a good example people will follow you i love that um that's that makes so much sense so yeah and by the way i have a, a nephew who's in the army he oh really just good. made sergeant good so thank proud you of him. yes and that's a major step from being part of the group of guys and gals to stepping into a leadership role. And I'm, I'm sure that he probably received the NCO course, of, which is very focused on how do you lead people that you used to be buddies with. Yeah. So I'm sure he has experienced that. Yeah. He's, he's an amazing young man. So my other question I have for you is over your time in this industry can you think of one pivotal moment for you that really changed your perspective there's well, a lot that's happened certainly but. i mean the most significant moment was 911 which we were hosting this conference in tucson arizona on 911 yeah and you know the thing of it you never know how you're going to behave in a crisis. You know, you'd like to believe that, you know, it's, it's you know, if you're in a, a shopping mall and you hear gunshots, you know, you'd like to believe that you're going to run towards the gunshots. But you never know. Right. And, of course, you know, being at a conference on 9-11 is not like it was incredibly dangerous or anything. But it was highly stressful, highly unusual. It was traumatizing. It was traumatizing, and we were responsible for 350 people and how they were going to get home and how they were going to... Some of them had an office in the towers. So the whole range of things that we had to deal with, and basically I discovered on that day that I behaved in a very difficult situation the way I had always hoped I would. So at least from, a, from that point of view, that was a major event for me. I'm, otherwise, I think, you know, as time has gone on and as some of the original advisors that we worked with, you know, like Richard, moved into retirement. And, you know, one of the things that's a challenge is how do we continue to get younger people into this industry? and set them up so that they can succeed. That's kind of a generic thing, so it's not event-specific. But, you know, the oh, you know the other thing really was the 2000 
2007, 2008, early 2009 Ooh, market yeah. crisis. Because unlike other times that the market has gone down, you expect the market to go down. There's reasons the market goes down. In 2007, 2008, it was a highly artificial crisis. And things happened that were totally different from how you'd been trained. You know, what you had learned professionally about how the markets are supposed to work, how ratings agencies are supposed to work, how the investment banks were supposed to work. Everything was upside down. And you saw exactly right. You just saw none of these things were behaving. And so you, you were losing clients' money. And you have to be prepared in this business that your clients are going to lose money sometimes. But they were losing money in such a way that it was not part of the system that you believed in. So that was probably the other real change of, you know, how much do you trust the system? How much do you, you know, have to be skeptical of it? So that was probably the other big thing because, I, you know, after that, I did go on a cruise in 2008 and I was with some friends and one of them came down at breakfast and she said, well, you seem so depressed. And it's like, well, <laughs> I've lost $400 million of other people's money and I can't tell you why. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that was traumatic too. Yeah, that was tough. Well, it was, tough. It, it was because it was just not right. And, you know, if you've seen, you know, a couple of the movies about it, you know, the big, big short, the big, big short, short and, yeah. and then the, uh, the other one about... <clears throat> Well, there's another movie about that, too, and it's, you just go with it and say, this is not right. It's not the way the system's supposed to work. Yeah. So. That was my first year on my own after Richard retired. Oh, my. I don't even remember how I got through it. <laughs> yeah. Well, generally, we get through these things partly because of the networks of people that we have as relationships. Right. So, yeah. you know, I'm yeah. sure that was part of it. Yes. So thank you for getting me through that. <laughs> Okay. Thank you, George, for spending some time with me on the Deep Impact Investing Podcast. Well, thank you for having me. It was a, it was a pleasure. So thank right. you. And have a great rest of your conference. Okay. We will, I'm sure. Take right. care. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Eric, I'm guessing that the thing you found most interesting about George's conversation with me, and probably the listeners too, is George's time in the military and how he got from there to managing portfolios and working in the ESG space. Yeah. Right? It's a journey, right? That's, yeah. Yeah, it is a journey. And, you know, he really is a leader in our industry, and he's just been doing this for so long, and lots of people really look up to him. Well, I I think it's important to get like-minded people in the same place, like you guys were talking about, all of you working together. Talk about deep impact, right? Deep and wide in that case. Deep and wide, exactly. So the next guest I have is Ebony Perkins. And Ebony and I are both on the U.S. SIF board, the Social Investment Board. Ebony is the Vice President of Investor Relations at Self-Help Credit Union. And I was amazed that they are such a large institution. She mentions that they have over 800 employees. Mm. which is great. We've talked a lot about CDFIs, the Community Development Financial Institutions, and they're located in Raleigh-Durham. And 
she really talks about how they serve communities and how the pandemic that we've been through this last, oh my gosh, you know, I tend to forget how long this has been going on. It seems like a decade, but how things have changed and how they've changed their, the way that they have been serving their constituents. So let's listen to what Ebony has to say. All right. This is Kimberly Greg O'Kyle at the ESG for Impact Conference. And I have Ebony Perkins here with me as a guest for Deep Impact Investing Podcast. Ebony, tell us who you're with. Oh, I'm so happy to be here. Um, I am Ebony Perkins. I am the Vice President and Director of Investor Relations at Self Help, one of the largest community development financial institutions. And we serve um, underserved communities, who I like to call underestimated communities. Oh, that's a um, good phrase, yeah. underestimated communities. I love it. Underestimated communities. And we provide financial services to these communities. And we help people buy their first homes, start their own businesses, or scale their businesses. Folks who may not be able to receive a loan from larger traditional financial institutions, that's where we come in. And we serve communities so that they can really build the lives that they want for themselves and their families. I love it. We've done a couple of podcasts on CDFIs. Ah. So our listeners are fairly well versed on CDFIs. I have a couple questions for you. How has the pandemic affected what you're doing? Oh my gosh. How has the, it, it changed everything, everything. I remember last year when the pandemic hit. So let me start by saying our Self-help has like over 800 employees. Wow, that's and big. Yeah, we're big. We're all over the country. And But, you know, as with every company, you have different departments. So people that may focus on like commercial lending or my team that focuses on investor relations. But really, when COVID happened and, you know, PPP lending started to happen and we had to support a lot of the businesses that were struggling, you know, they brought all hands on deck from across the company. And we made sure that, you know, we wanted to support the businesses that were being impacted. And so folks who that never touch lending in their day-to-day lives, kind of like me, you know, we decided, no, forget this right now. We really need to help our local businesses, whether that's, you know, the local nonprofits or the churches, or even if it's like the truck drivers or hairstylists. I learned a bit about lending. Last year, and I was able to really see the direct impact of our work, which I never got to see before. I got to talk with our borrowers, and it was really rewarding. It it changed everything. I bet that was incredibly rewarding to hear their stories and how those loans made a difference in their lives. Kim, to, to be able to hear a grown man who owns a business get emotional over the phone because he can, he's afraid of not being able to survive. And he just, he couldn't get a response from anybody, any other bank. Oh. And to hear that, that was confirmation that, okay, I'm in the right space. We're really making a difference in people's lives. Yeah. So, yeah. That's why we're here. You get it. That yes. is why we are here. Excellent. That is why. So we're at the ESG for Impact Conference. Mm-hmm. Tell me what you hope to get out of this time here? Oh my gosh. You know, one thing that I have realized 
over the past few years, there are so many people doing a lot of great things across this industry and this space. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes because we get so caught up in our day-to-day life, we don't realize what's going on. And I'm so excited to sit in on these panels and see what everybody else is doing and, and other ways that, you know, people can invest and, and to share this with everybody. Like, you know, I heard about a group called Pot Liquor Capital that's supporting black farmers and black oh, communities. Wow. And I was like, oh, yeah, that is what I'm here for. I am here to meet these people and then spread the gospel once I go home, you know? Right. I haven't heard of this. I need to find out about it's this. It's really cool. Yeah. I mean, of all names, Pot Liquor Capital. Right. I, I, I'm intrigued by that, but yeah. Uh, yeah, I need to know more about that. That sounds fascinating. I, I always love that about these conferences as well, because you hear about something you've never heard of yep. before, yep. and you're like, oh, I need to find out about that and, <laughs> and get some more information, because my clients need to know about this as well or my listeners need to know about this so yep. it's it's always fun I love that. to do that yeah I love that yeah great and we should also mention that you are also on the board of USF I am just like I am I am so that's it, we're serving together we we're are serving the people let's do it that's right that's what we're here for <laughs> so yes anything you might want to share with our listeners about how they can help with self-help credit union yeah absolutely I think a lot of people they don't you know think you know, what's the easiest way I can do some good with my money? And the first thing you can do is just move your savings. Like, where is that resting? You know, a lot of people always say, are you comfortable where your money sleeps? And the first thing that you can do is if you have a savings account someplace else, then it's with an institution that's not supporting the people that you care about, or they are supporting causes that you don't support, you know, consider moving your money. Align it with a financial institution that values what you value and supports the people that you care about. And so, I mean, if you're interested, I'll welcome your folks. Tell them to open a CD or a money market account at Self-Help Credit Union or Self-Help Federal Credit Union. We would love to help them. Where does your money sleep? I like it. Where does it sleep? Thank you so much for joining me. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Yes, I appreciate having you sit here with me for a few minutes, Ebony, and telling folks what to do with their sleeping money, (laughs) which everyone should have. Everyone should have an emergency savings that they're not necessarily touching yep. and is literally just sleeping and self-help credit union can help them with that. We can. That's what we're here for. Great. Thank you. Thank you. Well, Eric, I hope that you have enjoyed listening to Ebony talk about the work that they've been doing locally and nationally with their constituents. They, the, the work that they do is very impactful. Mm-hmm. And what? I just, I can't believe how much they have really pivoted and been working working with folks and helping them get through this time. I mean, they're really doing the, the high-impact work that we need to be doing in our industry. It's just been amazing. Yeah, and, and you said that she's uh, newer to the industry. I mean, it's as far as, you know, compared to George, your, your first interview, but right. you can hear the passion in her voice. Oh she's all gosh. in. She's all in. Yes, she is all in, and that's the thing I love. And you know, a few, let's see, beginning of October, the very, very beginning, I can't believe how much I've traveled in October, and I hope to just be home for a while, but we had our first in-person USCIF board meeting, so mm. I got to meet her in person there, and then I got to see her at the conference just a week or so later, and it was really nice to see people and talk to them, and, you know, as I mentioned in our 
first podcast in this series, getting to be in the same place with people and talking to them and sharing our passions again and, you know, not touching, you know, (laughs) being socially distanced and careful, but still having that face-to-face conversation and literally the conversations that we had were so important to all of us. This conference was done a little different than most conferences. Mm -hmm. I don't know how many conferences you go to, but I go to a lot. And, well, I used to. (laughs) You know, normal conferences are 50-minute sessions, and then you move on. And what we did with this conference was 75-minute sessions with the intention of a presentation and then 20 to 25 minutes of group conversations in every session. Mm. And we did that for a reason. We did that so that we can engage everyone in the room to have conversations about whatever the discussion or the presentation was about. And it was phenomenal. I've never been to a conference like that before, but it was intentional and we planned it that way. So I really applaud all of us for setting everything up that way. And it was beautiful. Yeah. I can't, I can't tell you how, yeah, I can't tell you how different it was, but talking to George literally in the middle of his conference was amazing. He just, he took some time out for me and I really appreciate that. And having this conversation with Ebony was amazing as well. So I thank them a lot. Yeah. Well, I, I echo that. I thank them too, because without taking the time to speak to you, I wouldn't and the audience wouldn't get to know them and uh, hear their heart and their passion. So thank you to them. And of course, Kim, thank you so much to you for, for orchestrating this. And it's not easy to lug equipment, you know, from state to state and, and do all this, but you did. And uh, I, I thank did. you for that. And of course, our last thank you goes to you, the listening audience. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to the Deep Impact Investing Podcast with Kimberly Grigo Kyle. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way when Kim comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it really easy to share these podcasts with your friends and family. Again, thanks for listening today. For everyone at Horizons Sustainable Financial Services, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Deep Impact Investing, the sustainable, responsible impact investing podcast that shows you how to invest like you give a damn. If you have questions about this podcast or topics you'd like to hear addressed on an upcoming podcast, email us at kim at horizonssfs.com. Join the conversation on Twitter at horizonssustfin or give us a call at 505-982-9661. Don't forget to click the subscribe button to be notified when new episodes become available. The companies we may speak about during our podcast are not recommendations for investment. Only you and your financial advisor can determine what the right investments are for you. Horizon Sustainable Financial Services, Inc. and its financial professionals do not render tax or legal advice. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the host and or guest and does not necessarily represent the views and opinions of Horizon Sustainable Financial Services. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice.
Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service providers with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. None of this content may be used or duplicated without the express written agreement of the podcast host.